All right, we are continuing our series, God Was Here, and we've been looking at how God wants to get our attention, and how many know that uh, advertisers want to get our attention during the Super Bowl? How many know that? $2.6 million is what they're going to spend for 30 seconds to get our attention. Now, as a Vikings fan, all I have to look forward in the Super Bowl is the commercials, so I'm going to really enjoy those. And I'm going to be judging them and rating them, but $2.6 million for 30 seconds so they can try to get our attention because they're saying, we have a product, we have a message, we have something we want to say to you, and we've got 30 seconds, and we're going to try to shock you, we're going to try to entertain you, we're going to try to get you to laugh, and we hope that you buy it, drink it, wear it, watch it, drive it, sleep in it, whatever. I mean, they're just like going to try to get us to do whatever for 30 seconds and they try to grab our attention so we don't get up and refill our plate or go to the bathroom. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Now, I got to tell you this. I believe in this series we've been talking about, God was here, that he is trying to get our attention. And I believe that he does more than spend $2.6 million for 30 seconds. How many know that if God wants to get your attention, he will light something on fire. You know, we learned that. He will light it on fire or he will send a whale to swallow you and he will get your attention. Or he will cause a donkey to talk and he will get your attention. And those are all stories in the Bible. I mean, he will do whatever he needs to do to get your attention. And we're realizing that God wants to speak to us. He wants to get our attention and, he, and he's, he's actively involved in our lives. And if you don't believe that, I hope that in this series, you've, if you've awakened to that and realized God is actively involved. God is trying to get your attention. And he's trying to say, I have what I would call holy moments for you. I have moments where I'm going to break in. And I'm going to do the miraculous. We talked about that. I'm going to break in and I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to give you that inaudible whisper. And a lot of us struggle with that. Is that you, God? Is that you, God? I, I heard something in my mind, but I didn't know if it was me or you. or We don't know. But we've learned, we're learning to hear the voice of God, learning that he's speaking to us in that inaudible whisper. We are believing that God wants to get our attention. God wants to speak to us. And so I want to talk to us again about just the way he wants to speak to us, the way he wants us to hear him, the way he wants to break in on us. In John 10, 27, this is what Jesus said. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. That's great advice there. We should listen We should know him, and we should follow him. And I believe that God wants to speak to us with those those little whispers, those little whispers. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to us, using that internal voice, that inaudible whisper, saying, you need to do this. Now, one of the books that I read in in just studying for this series was called The Power of a Whisper by Bill Hybels, and he put these into categories, and I liked his categories, so I'll use the same thing, and I want to give him credit. But he talked about there's those assurance whispers that, that God gives us. Those assurance whispers. And anybody know what I'm talking about? Those assurance whispers where he's like, I'm going to be with you. It's going to be okay. You can do it. I'm going to bring the miracle. Those, those assurance whispers. You know, how many love assurance whispers? You just love, love, love. You know, you step out in faith. You're like, okay, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to teach this class. I'm going to do it. And then you're terrified. Like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. And he goes, you can do it. And you're just like, you just feel it. It's God that he's saying, you can do it. I'm happy. I'm pleased. And, and that assurance just floods over you and helps you to do what you didn't think you could do. I know in my wife Becca's life, you know, she had that, 
assurance whisper right before the very first time she spoke. You know, she was always an accountant, said, I love life in the cubicle, leave me in the cubicle, love it there. And then when God said, you're going to preach to women, I remember the day, you know, she's getting ready to preach her very first message. I mean, she was shaking like this. She was just shaking. I mean, in the room like, okay, okay, God. And it was just like God said, do it afraid, I'll be with you. And just the whisper of God saying, I'll be with you, caused her to go out there and be able to preach it. And she started preaching and felt the presence of God and just that assurance, like, you can do it. You can do it. Three hours later, we had to tell her to stop and get her off the stage. And she kept going. And she's like, do you feel the presence of God like that when you preach? I'm like, I do. And she's like, that's amazing, you know. But that assurance whisper causes us to do things. And we love it. And for me, this is just for me. I think whenever I'm around oceans or mountains, I think that God just gives me the assurance whispers more than ever. I mean, maybe it's because I see how big he is and how small I am, and I just feel like he's like, it's okay. I'm going to take care of you. I've got it. I'm bigger than your problems. And I love the assurance whispers that God gives to me. Now, another type of whisper that he gives to us is action whispers. Action whispers, and we like these sometimes, and we don't like them sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? God says, write the letter. And you're like, write the, write the letter? Should I write the letter, Lord? And he says, write the letter. He says, go pray with that person right now. Go, go, go pray with them? But what if, what if they don't want to pray? What if, they, what, if, what if they push me away? What if they, is that you, Lord? Is that you, Lord? How many know we're like a little squirrel in the road, like, ah, 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 ah. You know, Lord, is that you? Not you, not you. Give, and he's like, you know, give the money. We're like, give, give, no, don't give, give. No, ah, what do I do? You know, how many know what I'm talking about, right? We're like, so we get these action things because we don't know if it's God and we really don't know how to hear the voice of God so well. We kind of, ah, 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 and we go back and forth. But I love, love, love action whispers. I love when God says, go ahead and do this. Go and do that. Give, stretch, serve, send, pray, do whatever. And we need to obey those action whispers that he gives to us. We need to. I remember one time we were praying for uh, somebody. We were having a little prayer meeting. This person was really struggling. And they said, could you pray for me? So we laid hands on this person and prayed for him. And as we're praying there, we're praying, God, give us a breakthrough this person. They're really struggling. The, the lady next to my left, she just starts singing like an old hymn. Like we're praying and she's like singing, at the cross, at the cross where I first saw. You know, and I'm just like, okay, a little odd. I'm not sure about that. You know, we're just praying. Well, then the person we're praying for starts bawling. And so I'm like, are you okay? What's going on? And the person said, well, I just said, God, if you're really going to answer my prayer and you're really going to take care, have somebody sing an old hymn right now. And I was like, wow, you're hearing the voice of God. But how many know there's a little struggle there? Like, go ahead and sing out an old hymn in front of Pastor Rob. And, you know, you know. But that was all good. It was an action moment. It was a whisper from God. Go ahead and do that. And we'll struggle. Sometimes we'll get it right. Sometimes we'll get it wrong. But don't stress. If it's a good thing, do the good thing. Do the good thing. And you're like, well, I just felt like I was supposed to pray with you. I don't need anything. Well, let's just pray anyways. All right? Pray. Okay. I mean, just step out. Follow the action whisper. We like those things. But there's one more, um, and this is one I want to focus on. It's the admonition whisper. When God says, stop. The correction whisper. When he says, sober up, it's a problem. When he says, stop yelling in your home, that's not the way it goes anymore for you. 
when he corrects us, when he says, you're sinning, stop. And he whispers and he speaks to us and his Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And, and that's the one that we're like, oh, and we, that can't be God, that can't be God. I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do and we fight against it. I'm just going to tell you what, don't fight against the whisper. Don't fight against the whisper because one pastor said this. He said, God starts with a tickle like, <clears throat> and then he goes to a tap, and then he goes to a tackle. And then he breaks out the two-by-four. How many know what I'm talking about? He's like, boom, you know. One guy said, have you ever been hit by the two-by-four? He said, no. God uses hickory bats with me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Obey the whisper. Obey the whisper. When he says stop and you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you, that is the Holy Spirit. And he says it's wrong. Don't do that. Turn. You're going the wrong way. And so we're going to look at one of these in the... Bible that I think is like top three of one of these moments where God just really, if you will, breaks out the two by four and says, you're going the wrong way. I'm going to get your attention. We're way beyond a whisper. I'm waking you up. Listen, I've got something different for you. If you have your Bibles, turn to me to Acts chapter nine. We're going to look at that. Acts chapter nine, we're going to look at the story of a guy named Saul who later becomes Paul. And uh, you might know him as the apostle Paul. He wrote 13 of 27 New Testament books that we have. Massive, major moment here where he's going the wrong way and God says, it's all about to change. I'm breaking in. There's a holy moment for you. This is your moment. It's all gonna change. It was such a major moment in his life. The book of Acts records this three different times because this was such a major moment in his life. This is like a marking moment. This is such a major moment that he refers back to it time and time again. Like, this is what God did. Amazing. He saved me, the worst of sinners, the worst. So this is a major moment in his life, and you'll understand why once we read this. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Major moment. Let's stop here for a moment. Major moment in his life. He is persecuting Christians and they called them people of the way. Because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So they said, he's the way. He's the way. And so they said, those that are following him are of the way. So Saul is a, a, a good Jewish person. And he's so upset that people are following Jesus, that they're in the way, that he's so mad, he's so upset about this, he wants to persecute them. He will kill them if he can. He's going to arrest them, and the Bible says he takes men and women. And what that means is he didn't care if he separated your family. If you were a follower of Jesus Christ and he caught you, he was bringing you to the courts. He would kill you if he could. He was upset about this. Matter of fact, it says he was breathing out murderous threats. What that means there is that he was so upset that when you talk to him about Christians, you talk to him about Jesus, 
he'd get the vein poppage thing going, you know what I'm talking about? And he'd get the, you know, and it's, it's saying that his heart would elevate, his heart rate would elevate. He'd, he'd almost hyperventilate. He was that upset about Christians. How many know he's got some issues here, right? He's got issues, and that's what he's got going on. And he's going after them, and he's so upset with them. And in this, there's a holy moment. The light shines, it blinds him, knocks him off his donkey. Boom, he's down. And God begins the conversion process in him. You're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. And it's an amazing side note here. If God can save him, God can save anyone. He can save anyone. Matter of fact, that's what Saul, later who became Paul, that's what he says. If God could save me, the worst of sinners, like I was a killer. I was a killer. And God saved me. And if God could save me, he could save you. So side note, God can save anyone. But in this moment, let me just point this out real quick, because this is kind of like two by four. If God blinds you and knocks you off your horse, and you're down on the ground, and you're laying there, and, and you're, that's pretty serious. I want to point out one tender part of God in the way he corrects. In verse four, it says, Saul, Saul. That's not a typo that they put his name twice. Anytime you see somebody's name twice in the Bible like that, Saul, Saul, it's a term of endearment. It's a term of endearment. It's like, I'm correcting you because I love you. It's saying that even though I'm smacking you in this moment, I'm smacking you in love. And I want to tell you this. Even when God corrects us, he corrects us in love. Some of you are like, he's so after me. And he's saying, repent. He's saying, stop. And he sounds so mean, but he's doing it in love. And he's saying, you're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. I'm trying to just save you like a parent saving a child that's running out in traffic. You're going the wrong way. And I may grab you to get your attention, but I love you and I'm saving you. And I love that there's a term of endearment even in God's rebuke, even in God's pulling him back. He says, I love you. And maybe some of you have been running from God and you think he's mean. He's not mean. He loves you. And even in his rebuke, even in that voice, he's saying, come back. I love you, and I'm doing this because I love you. Now, verse 5, let's continue. Uh, Saul says, who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. Now, in the rebuke, he gets new direction. God says, you're going the wrong way. You're changing. And, and he does what all of us should do. He obeys what God says. All of us should do that. When God gives us a rebuke, when God gives us a whisper, we should obey his whisper. And he does that. He just, okay. I'm going there. Shocker, I didn't know you were alive. I didn't know this was going on. But I will do exactly what you're telling me to do. I will go and wait. Now, interesting thing, in the midst of this, let me just tell you this. When God tells you to change and he tells you to stop or he tells you to repent, the amazing thing is he gives you the power to do it. He tells you to do it, then he gives you the power to do it. Because we're all like, I can't, I can't, I can't. If I do that, I can't, I can't, I don't have the power. You're right, you don't have the power. But when he gives you a rebuke, when he gives you a whisper, when he gives you a do this, he gives you the power with the whisper. And I love this, that God was at work with another interesting twist in the story. Verse 10, 
In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hand on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He's come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. I love this. God's given him the rebuke. God's saying, you're going the wrong way. Then he gives him the strength, and he has a plan in place to make it all happen. And he's speaking to someone else with an action whisper. How many like that? He's speaking with an action whisper to Ananias. And I have to say this. Ananias first got the little, mm, okay, go there. And then Ananias is like, um, Lord, did you case you didn't know he's a killer? And God kind of did the, you're going. And then he responded to the tap. And I thank God he responded to the tap, okay? And I want to respond to the tap and not have to be tackled or two by four. So I see that. He responds to the tap and goes and does this. Now let's put some humanity on this for just a second. You can imagine how this guy wasn't that excited to go there, because imagine this. Imagine that God spoke to you and said, the leader of Al-Qaeda has just given his heart to me. I blinded him in a cave in Pakistan. You are to buy a ticket to Pakistan and go lay hands on him at the risk of your own life and go into the cave because he's the next Billy Graham to the Muslim world. Go. How many are excited about that one? Yes, Lord. I'll go, you know? So you can kind of understand he's not that excited to be doing this, but he just took a tap. Just took a tap for him to go do it. So that's pretty impressive that he goes and does this. And I believe that God got Saul's attention. I believe that God got Ananias' attention, and he gets our attention. And he does it through different ways. He does it through disappointments in our life, and he says, wake up. He does it through the word of God, and he speaks to us through his word. And we ought to be filling our lives with this, but how many know this? When we're walking away from God, one of the things that gets put down is our Bible. He's like, well, one of my methods of speaking to you, you've set aside. But he'll speak to us if we read his word. I believe that God speaks to us in our money issues, our challenges, and sickness, and in pain, and in all these different things, and he gets our attention. But I also believe this, that God uses words like this when people are preaching. I believe that, that God will use it in your life group and in different areas of ministry. God will use words that people speak and you'll almost feel as if God himself was speaking directly to you. Have you ever had that happen? Where people come up to me and they're like, Pastor Rob, I can't believe that. It felt like you were talking right. Did you, were you at our house this week? Did you? Because you were right there. Like, and I said, no, that's the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit still does that. And you have God moments in church. There's one I want to show you right now. A lady by the name of Catherine had a God moment while she was part of one of our ministries at church. And I want you to see how God used some simple words to completely change her life. Take a look at this. 
Hi, my name is Catherine, and I attended Sparkle in the fall of last year. My life before Sparkle was on a downward spiral. Earlier last year, I started going through my second round of major depression. I had suffered from it five years before. By May, I knew that it was back. But it was back worse this time. And one of the biggest triggers was my marriage. And it wasn't in a good place. And it was getting worse. And so I made the decision, for better or worse, to separate from my husband. It was the hardest decision of my life. But the worst of it was that, for the first time in my life, I had lost my faith in God. On Friday night, I had a friend stop by to drop something off. And she asked me how I was doing. She knew what was going on. She was a good friend. And so I, I didn't tell her that at that moment in time, I was wondering if I would even make it through the weekend alive. And she suggested I come with her to the Sparkle Conference. And I told her I really wasn't in the mood for a jewelry party because I didn't know what Sparkle was. And so she explained to me what it was and I agreed to come with. And so we showed up about 20 minutes before it started. After the message, when everyone else stood up to sing, I sat in my chair with my head in my hands and I wept. Like I hadn't done in the full six months that this had been going on. And I told her I needed to go up for prayer. And so she went with me and two amazing women, Linda and Raquel, came up and met me. And Linda held one hand and my hand, friend held the other and they all prayed for me. And I remember as they prayed, the Holy Spirit washing over me in a sense of peace that I had not felt in a very long time. And I went home that night and went to bed and I got up the next morning to come back to the conference and for the first time, I felt hope and life returning to me. But God wasn't done yet. Uh, Priscilla, during that session, was trying to make a point and figuratively use the words, just go home. And if you would stand to your feet for just one second and find one sister or maybe two sisters that are near you, grab their hands, get face to face with these other two women or that other one woman just for a second, because with all the authority of Jesus Christ, I want you to charge them this afternoon. Go ahead, two of you together. Arise, sleepwalker. And awake to a new day. Don't miss one moment what God will do. You are armed with some secrets. So this is your chance. Go home. Beholding him. I knew in that moment that God was telling me it was time for me to go back home to my house and to my husband. And I was just struck that God would make it so obvious. There are so many times I had wished that God would write in the sky and talk to me. And this time he had, 
very definitely told me what to do. I knew it was an act of obedience. I wasn't ready. But I called my husband and I told him everything that had happened. And I said, I need to come home. And he said, the door's open. And so I, I went home that night. And uh, the next day, we moved my things back home. And I came back to my house and my life. And the journey of healing between us continued. And now our marriage is better than it has ever been. And it was the moment of Priscilla saying, just go home that will stick with me the rest of my life. I never knew words from someone could have such an impact on the direction of your life. But it did for me, it did for our marriage, and hopefully for the glory of God. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yep. So let me say this to some people here. When you're hearing a sermon preached, when a friend loves you enough to talk to you, when you're in your life group and you hear something like that said, and you feel the Spirit of God say, that's for you, you got a choice. Will you obey it or will you disobey? Because I believe God is speaking to us and still does today. And he uses a lot of different ways. And there are times where you hear it and you hear, sober up, repent, turn, stop. Just a previous service this weekend, somebody had relapsed. And they came to church just this weekend and heard me say that, sober up, it's time. They're like, God, that's you, that's you breaking in on me. And God will do that if you're ready to hear him. And I'm just telling you, he will tap you, he'll tackle, he'll two by four, he will come after you. Listen to him. He loves you. He loves you. He wants to speak to you. And you need to start Getting rid of those things that are causing you to drift away from God and start saying, I'll get rid of that wrongdoing that clouds my ability to hear. God, I'll, I'll humble myself and I'll listen to your Holy Spirit when you speak to me. I'll, I'll fill myself full of your word. I'll fill myself full of this so you can speak to me. God, I'll be ready to listen. I, I'll ask. Do you know that we can ask to hear God better? We can just simply say, God, give me an ear, a spiritual ear to hear you better. And he will give us a spiritual ear to hear him better. But if God's speaking to you today, hear it as him speaking to you. Stop. Yield. Repent. Turn. Do the things that he's telling you to do. Listen to what he's telling you to do. And obey what the spirit of God is telling you to do. I want God to speak to me. I want God to speak to you. And I want you to be obedient to whatever he's speaking to your spirit right now. So God, right now, I pray for all of us here. Some of us just need a word of affirmation. There's a pure heart here and there are pure hearts. And we just need affirmation. We just need your Holy Spirit to speak to us and say, you're doing it. 
I'll be with you. It's the right call. Keep going. And God, we thank you for that. Some of us here have heard action whispers from you, and we've resisted. We've resisted, and yet there's so much more that you have for us if we just obey the action. And so, God, I'm praying that we'd obey the action whisper, and we do that. We do what you called us to do. We'd send the letter, give the gift. We'd pray the prayer. We'd do whatever it is you've called us to do. But there are those, God, that need an admonition. They need to be gently restored. They need to be told. And your Holy Spirit is saying to them, you have backslidden. You have walked away. You've grown cold. Restore your first love. You're speaking that to people. You're speaking to people, stop it. It's a dangerous road you're going down. There's nothing but death down that road. Stop. And I'm praying that we'll listen to those things and we'll turn and we'll be obedient and out of obedience we will just do the right thing because it's obedience, Lord. And then you will give us the strength to accomplish what you want us to accomplish. But God, I'm praying, speak to us. Speak to us. And even now, as people hear these words, Holy Spirit, speak to people. There are marriages that need to be restored. There are wrongs that need to be righted. And they need to be turned around and brought into obedience. And Lord Jesus, I just pray that we would be obedient. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. We're listening. We want to hear you. And we want to live with those moments that will change our life forever. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we all stand across this place?